Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Crystal Sparks and my one goal of this podcast is to help grow your faith and to help equip you to accomplish your dreams and your goals. Um, Hey, if you're new here on my channel, um, before we go any further, can I just encourage you to go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on anything happening over here on my channel and Today, we are going to be uh, talking about Nehemiah. I am doing a Bible study with a group. Um, I have a Facebook group called Growing Your Faith, and we've been doing um, a study on Nehemiah for the last few weeks. And you guys, I love Nehemiah, but man, this time picking it up, it is just full of so much great content. And so um, we've been going through it chapter by chapter. If that's something that you're interested in, you can click the link down below um, to find out more information about it. I have a Bible study that we do via Zoom. So you can literally join in. I have people from all over that are a part of this study. And so what we do is every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, um, we jump into God's Word together and we spend exactly one hour. Um, we spend time studying the Word and then we do prayer requests and just connection points for each other. And it's incredible to see what God's doing. And then from that video, I export it into the Facebook group called Growing Your Faith, um, where you can watch it back on replay. And I always include notes so you can do fill in the blanks to help you understand it. But through going through this, um, right now, currently, our group is about to go into Nehemiah chapter 4. And there's so much good content that I'm never going to be able to get to. And so today, um, we are going to talk about God's hand of in your life. Like, what does it look like for God's hand to be upon your life? What does that mean practically? Um, what can we look for when God's hand is in our life? And in Nehemiah, um, I'm going to highlight out to you four different things that I believe that we see happening in Nehemiah's life because of God's hand on his life. And so we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, verse 8 to start out with. And I'm going to read this to you. It says that... And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest or park, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the city wall, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted what I asked, and the good hand of my God was upon me. I love this so much because the first thing that we see in God's hand being upon our lives is the natural byproduct of that is that we are going to walk with favor with men. One of my favorite scriptures is in Luke 2.52. It says that Jesus grew with favor with God and with man, meaning that in our lives, that the more we grow in favor with God, the byproduct of that is that we have favor with men. We see all through Nehemiah's story as we read through the account of Nehemiah life that God is supernaturally granted him favor and with that he gets favor with men and God just works that way the more that we grow in favor with God the byproduct of that is that we have an overflow of favor with men in Esther 7 3 she goes to the king and makes a wild request 
But before she had made this request, Mordecai was talking with her, and he was encouraging her that she had already found favor with her God. And because of her confidence in her favor with God, she went and asked the king, if I have found favor in your sight. And she made a huge petition that day. She asked some big things. And I want to encourage you that the natural overflow of our confidence of our favor with God is that we begin to know and walk in favor with men. It means that God just begins to supernaturally open up doors that we could never open on our own. That word favor means acceptance, approval, giving someone special benefits that they did not deserve. See, I believe that all part of our life as Christ followers, it's not just that we have favor with God. That's great, right? All throughout the Bible, we see God saying that he, we have found favor with him. In fact, Paul, this is a reoccurring theme in his letters to Uh, the churches that they have found favor with God. But part of us finding favor with God is that we will also find favor with men. See, I think it's so amazing that when we begin to walk in this favor, begin to walk in this boldness, all of a sudden God starts opening up supernatural doors that we couldn't have ever opened on our own. Um, Whenever we were um, just moved to Roy City area, we needed to get into the school and uh, to be able to meet there. And at that time, they had a rule in place that it was that they didn't allow churches to meet there on Sundays. And so through going through the process, uh, we got supernatural favor with the superintendent. And he said, you know what, I really want you to do an appeal to the school board. And so we did. We got it together, what we were going to say. Now, keep in mind that they had already declined us twice. And so this time we just declared, God, we thank you that we have favor with you. And because we have favor with you, God, we know that you're granting us favor with the school board. And so through that supernatural encounter, we got before the school board, we made our petition known, and they voted unanimously for us to be able to meet in that school. And I want to encourage you, what is the area in your life that you're needing favor with men? Maybe you've got an application to a college. Maybe it's an application to a job. Maybe it's something that you're believing for. Even on our own church building, um, our building that we purchased in Caddo Mills, Texas, there was another offer on the same property, and they were asking full asking price. In fact, it was above asking price, and they were offering a cash deal. And so we prayed that God would give us supernatural favor with men. And so we prayed over that contract, and you guys, they ended up going with our contract over the other company. And what is that? That's supernatural favor. That's God's hand upon our life, causing us not just to have favor with God, but also to have favor with man. So I want to encourage you that if there's a difficult situation in front of you, and it seems impossible, right? Maybe there's a person that it just seems like God's not moving. Uh, I want to encourage you that you can start to pray that God will give you supernatural favor. One of my favorite scriptures uh, is found in Proverbs, and it says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And so So I want to encourage you that that means that those people that are in those authoritative positions, that we can begin to pray and through our favor with God, God will begin to move their hearts that will have favor with men. The second thing that we see in Nehemiah's life is in Nehemiah 2.12, and this is another byproduct of God's hand on his life. And it says, Then I arose at night, I and a few men, men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem. See, I love this because when God's 
hand is on our life, he begins to put dreams in our hearts. I remember years ago when I first started leading and, uh, you know, people within the church and I was sitting and I was talking to Brian's dad. And and for those of you that don't know, we served under uh, my husband's father for years uh, before launching out and starting our own church. And while we were there, I remember uh, he said this to me and I've never forgotten it. He said, a sign someone is healthy is when they gain their ability to dream. A sign that somebody is sick is when they lose their ability to dream. See, a sign of God's hand on our life is that we begin to dream. We begin to see beyond what is in the natural, and we begin to see with God-sized vision. You see this happening even in the life of Abraham. When God shows up and tells him, Abraham, you're not going to just bear one son, because here Abraham is just believing God for a child, but God begins to speak to him about a nation of people. And in your Bible, it says that God brought him outside his tent, in other words, outside where he was, outside of limitations, outside where there's walls, outside where there's no boundaries. And he said, Abraham, I want you to see something so big, so unlimited. See, a sign that we are spiritually healthy is when we begin to dream. When we begin to say, God, I believe that you've got a great plan and a purpose for my life. You walk into that business and you say, God, thank you that you're going to double our revenue in this next year. God, I thank you that what you have ahead for us is so great. In 7.5, in Nehemiah, he writes this, that God put it in my mind and my heart to do this thing. See, I love when God puts a God-sized dream, a God-sized vision in our hearts, it's in our mind and in our hearts, meaning that we can't stop thinking about it. A sign that something's a God dream is that you can't get it off your mind. You think about it all the time. In fact, um, I always say whenever something's a God dream, you walk in and everybody else just sees a normal situation, but you see potential. You see the need. Uh, A God dream for me is I love teaching people the Bible. I love making it where this person that knows absolutely nothing, um, I love teaching them just the practicals of how they can understand scripture and begin to make God's word come alive for them. So when I look at humanity and I see the depravity that's happening, I can't help but be moved for God's hand in their life to come upon them to have that dream of understanding scripture. That's my God dream, right? He puts it in my mind and in my heart. And your heart meaning this, that when it's a God dream, you're moved with compassion in that area. It moves you. Like when you see that need, there's something about it that you just can't shake it. It moves you emotionally. It moves your heart. It makes you uh, empathize with them. Uh, A lot of times, that's why so often that when you see people making a big difference, a lot of times in their past, they were wounded in that area. And so God uses them to restore that area of their deepest pain. He has them go back to that place and begin to reach the people that were just like them in that. Why? Because he puts it in their mind, in their heart, right? And so when they see people, they can't help but see the same brokenness that they were in and now to go be motivated to make a difference. The third thing that we see in Nehemiah's life, and this is in 2.20, Nehemiah 2.20, and it says, I answered them, the God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise 
and build. You know, I love this so much because in 2.18, he says, I told them that the hand of my God was upon me for good. I, I love this because God's plan for our life is good. I love that in Jeremiah, it says that God puts his hand on us for what? He's got plans for a future and a hope. In other words, when God's thinking about you, he's thinking about how to prosper you. The third thing is, is God's hand on our life brings prosperity. God's will for your life is always abundance. God's plans for your life are always good. God's plan for your life is always a future and a hope, right? He's not looking over your life and thinking, oh man, like I just don't know what I'm going to do with this. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures to quote is that the steps of the righteous grow brighter and brighter. In other words, our best days are ahead of us and not just behind us. And what am I saying when I say that? is that God's got plans to bring me prosperity. In fact, Paul wrote it like this in Ephesians 3.20, that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, far beyond what we could ask, think, or even imagine. In other words, God's thinking in heaven about ways to prosper you, about ways to bless you. In Psalm 1.3, in the Passion Translation, it says that he is never dry, speaking of us, that we are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. God wants to see us ever prosperous. He doesn't want to just see us go up and down, but his plans for our life is to do good. In fact, in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. God's plan for your life is abundance. It's not selfish for you to ask for big things. It's not selfish for you to pray and believe God to do something amazing in your business. In fact, that's what God wants you to do. His hand on your life, just like Nehemiah said, it is for good. And his hand on your life is for prosperity. And Psalm 37, uh, 35 verse 7 says, God delights in the prosperity of his saints. And I just want to encourage you that this is so much more than just financial prosperity. Although I do think it's financial prosperity, I will say I know some people who have a lot of money, but they're really, really sad, right? And so I think um, our problems in this life aren't just monetary, right? We have other parts to us as well. In fact, Third John writes about this, that he God wants to prosper us even as our soul prospers. So this meaning to me is that God's plan for our life is not just that we have an abundance of resources, right? But that we also walk with an abundance of joy, an abundance of health, abundance of grace, abundance of peace, abundance of wisdom. I want to ask you, what is it that you're needing in your life? Maybe you need an abundance of uh, grace in your life. I want to encourage you that God wants to give it to you. Maybe you're in a season where you just don't know what to do. The Bible says that the enemy is the author of confusion and God will give grace or he'll give wisdom, James 1 5, if we ask. And so I want to encourage you that if you find yourself in a place of needing wisdom or you need grace or you need joy or maybe it's a diagnosis and you need an abundance of health. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you that God doesn't want to just give you a little. He wants to give you a lot. He doesn't want you just to walk in seasons of joy, but he wants joy to be the theme of your life. God's hand is on your life for abundance. So I want to ask you a question as we're pondering upon this. What areas of your life are you just satisfied with getting by?
What areas of your life are you not asking God for his abundance? What areas of your life have you shrunk back from asking God to give you more in? I want to encourage you that God wants to see every area of your life be marked with an abundance of prosperity. Number four, what God's hand of favor, what his hand does on our life. And we find this in Nehemiah chapter four in verse 15. And it says this, and when our enemies heard that their plot was known to us and that God had frustrated their purpose, we all returned to the wall. Oh my goodness, I love this because Nehemiah is doing what God's called him to do, but all of a sudden his enemies begin to come around and taunt them. But it says that God frustrated their purpose. And then in Nehemiah 4.20, it says um, that our God will fight for us. I want to encourage you that part of having God's hand on your life means that God will fight your battles. God defends you against your enemies. One of the best things you can learn is this right here, is that being a Christ follower, part of having God's hand of favor on your life means that you don't have to reply to every email. You don't have to worry about your enemies. You don't have to be um, cautious and leery of how people that don't like you are going to block God's purpose for your life. In fact, in Esther 5 eight, ungodly civil authorities granted her petitions. You know why? Because God's hand was upon her life. And so God defended her against her enemies. In Psalm 44 uh, verse 3, I I love this scripture so much in the Passion Translation. It says, Our forefathers didn't win these battles by their own strength or their skill or their strategy, but it was through the shining forth of God's radiant presence and the display of his mighty power. God loved to give them victory, for you took great delight in them. I love this because here the psalmist is writing, that it wasn't about them being skillful. It wasn't about their strategy. It wasn't about their strength. God won them battles that they were never equipped to win. And I want to encourage you today that the same thing is true for you. That sometimes the best thing you can do as a Christ follower is remain silent in the presence of your enemies. I love that Psalm 23 says that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. In other words, that you can eat. You think about eating. We eat in times where we're relaxed, when everything seems calm, when everything's serene. We don't eat in a time of battle, right? You've never seen like the movie Gladiator and they're sitting there eating a feast while the enemies are approaching. No, what are they doing? They're in a position of war, right? But God calls us to do the opposite. He calls us to be in this relaxed state in the presence of our enemies. Why are we able to do that? Because when we get it on the inside of us, that we don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to explain our position. We don't have to make a way for ourselves. We don't have to be talented enough. We don't have to have the right strategy or the right skill. But all we have to do is rest and let God fight our battles for us. 
See, I want to encourage you. I don't know what battles that you're fighting, but I want to encourage you that God's hand produces recognition even when we seem the least likely. And if you don't believe me, read the story in 1 Samuel 16, 22, when God made sure that he was defended, that God vindicated him, that God made him honored in the presence of the people who hated him the most. God made sure to crown him with his favor and his acceptance. And I want to encourage you that the same is true today for you in your life, that God wants to fight your battles. But here's the thing I've learned in my life, and God's told me this years ago. He said, Crystal, either you're fighting your battles or I'm fighting your battles, but both can't happen at the same time. And I realize this, that every time that I start trying to defend myself, then God can't defend me. Every time I try to fight the battle for myself, then God can't fight it for me. Sometimes the best position you can take is just rest and allow the Lord to begin to do it for you. So I want to encourage you that what is God's hand on our life? What does that look like? It means that we have favor with men, that he puts dreams in our hearts, that he brings about prosperity, and he defends us against our enemies. Hey, I hope you got something out of this. If you would like to study the book of Nehemiah with me, I'd love for you to go on this journey. You know, the cool part about it is I've recorded every session So you can go back and listen to those by joining our Facebook group. So if you'd like to get email notifications about that group, um, that will be down below. And I'll also have a link to the Facebook group so that way you can come and be a part of that. I have tons of resources in there of different studies. And all the different uh, teachings are about 45 minutes in length on the recording. And so I'd love for you to be a part of that. I want to make sure to just resource you in every way possible to help you grow your faith. If you're new here again and you haven't hit subscribe, be sure and hit that subscribe button so that way you never miss out on anything here on my channel. So hey, let's do something awesome for God this week.